Hello and welcome to Consumer Choice Radio, broadcasting here on the Big Talker 106.7 FM and on Saga 960 AM every single week. I'm one half of your host, Yael Ososki, broadcasting to you from the the nice and quiet uh, studio here in Vienna, Austria. And I'm joined on the other side of the ocean, far away, far from uh, the office here, but very close in my heart and my mind, David, David Clement, who's out there in Toronto. David, how goes it? Uh, it's going well, you know. Um, the election is is just plugging away, and so I've been keeping an eye on that. Um, yeah, I mean, really, not much to talk about. It's kind of that depressing stage where, like, summer is now officially o- over, and you just wait for it to get cold. Yeah, that's uh, it's not looking not looking good for that. I think today is the last warm day uh, for us here, and it's going to rain tonight, so that does it. Um, as always, guys, you can head on over to ConsumerChoiceRadio.com uh, where you can get all of the different clips. Uh, we also have videos of the interviews that we conduct. You can subscribe to the podcast version, uh, which you might be listening to now. We do have some interesting developments on the podcast front coming in the next couple of weeks that we'll let you know about. It has to do a little bit with crypto. It has a little bit to do with uh, new podcasting 2.0 technology. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, that's, uh, that'll be coming out very soon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, David, let's just hit it off the, the very front. I think we should really consider our line of, of work or what we're doing right now. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. What, what did you have uh, in mind? I'm looking here at an article. This is msn.com. I really think we're, we're not in a good place right now. Apparently the fifth... The fifth radio talk show host has died of COVID in just six weeks. Oh, boy. Yeah. It seems to be a very dangerous profession. <laughs> well, luckily, you and I are both vaccinated. So, that, that, um, yes, so that, you're, that getting, you're getting to the story. Yeah. So uh, this is an article. I think it's actually the Washington Post. Uh, apparently, this is a, a, another um, conservative radio host uh, has died of COVID after uh, sort of bashing the vaccine and saying, don't take it. I think he went you know, very far in saying it was about aborted fetal cells and all of the like. Uh, he apparently became very sick and passed away, uh, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, this is the fifth uh, radio talk show host in just the last six weeks. Yeah, it, I've seen all these headlines and, and then they run them next to their comments talking about why people shouldn't get the vaccine. What's funny about that criticism about fetal cells is that it's it's actually not valid for the mrna vaccines at all um yeah like it's it's not just like oh he's got the like a bad opinion it's actually factually incorrect and uh Um, one of the guys actually mark bernier um spelled in the very french canadian way apparently (laughs) not french canadian oddly enough i went back in my archives and i was correct i actually was interviewed on his show in 2011 Uh, he was a talk show host out of jacksonville florida i believe uh we were talking about surveillance powers or you know i I don't remember at this point something like that he seemed just like like a normal conservative talk show guy Uh, i guess there there are a number of others like phil valentine jimmy DeYoung, dick farrell that can't be a real name um (laughs) All these guys apparently ended up, unfortunately, hospitalized with COVID. And uh, um, as as Norm McDonald will say, we'll say actually in his memory, uh, they lost their battle. 
uh, to COVID, to which Norm MacDonald yes. said, isn't that the worst thing to say about somebody, that they lost yeah. the last thing in their life? Is there a loser? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, we ha- rip. Rip to uh, Norm MacDonald, fellow uh, Canadian, uh, a Quebecer yeah. who uh, rose up through the ranks and became a very successful comedian. Yeah, and the thing with Norm is he had such a weird, like, delivery of his jokes. Um, like, such a weird, like, a casual way of telling jokes and really wasn't afraid <laughs> really wasn't afraid to tell some absolute zingers um so yeah rest in peace to, to norm mcdonald a canadian legend a comedian or a, a comedy icon um it was funny <laughs> uh, one of my favorite comedians anthony jeselnik um tweeted he's like <laughs> Uh, fighting cancer for nearly 10 years without anybody knowing about it is such a classic Norm Macdonald thing to do. <laughs> oh, no doubt. I do have one. I want to pull up a clip, actually, of Norm Macdonald on The View that I thought was particularly okay. hilarious. Uh, it'll take me a All second right. to pull it, pull it up. Yeah, uh, no worries. But really an interesting story and background. I mean, I, I remember following Norm Macdonald fairly early on, uh, Mostly as well because I saw that he was, you know, sort of an English-speaking comedian from Quebec, which doesn't really happen often. Uh, obviously, his parents were Anglo's, but to see him yeah. rise up and when he would do Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live, it was just some of the best you know, oh, segments. So, yeah, well, and so it's funny in retrospect, one of his jokes about cancer are now actually very fitting. Um, so he he would tell a joke about cancer, saying it's when people say like, Oh, like he lost the battle to cancer. And he's like, well, I'm pretty sure that if you die of cancer, the cancer dies at the same time. He's like, that's a draw. It's, tech- it's technically a draw. That's a draw. All right. Let's, uh, uh, let's play this clip here. I'm going to make this a bit interesting. So this is on the view. This has to be from like maybe 1998. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go here. Let's see if we can we can play this and you can hear it. See, I, I don't I think we should get the homicide out of the White House and get like a a, a fresh start because we don't want any more murderers. I no, think we, we should just go on to the next question. Oh. <laughs> Who are the murderers? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Clinton, he murdered a guy. Yeah, you know we're not allowed. No, you're not no, allowed to put out no, no accusations without. That's a little Charlie. too far. That's the way it does let's work. just let's just go on to the next question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is not my week. What can I tell you? <laughs> oh, it's not mine either, and I'm being very nice. Okay. <laughs> Be a good boy. Now, Norm. Do you never hear that? No, listen, no, we don't need I to don't talk get about into this. this. And I don't want to hear it, and this is not the place to make those accusations. And you're supposed to be funny. Oh. Let's get on with it. There you go. This is a live show. Not Why? Norm, but you have been properly chastised by Barbara. So I'm not going to ask the next question. I thought it was a matter of record. Shut no. up. Uh, <laughs> he just continued. On. He won't let it go. <laughs> yes, this is classic, uh, classic Norm MacDonald. All kinds of the clips out there. Um, a comedian's comedian. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> As it was. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> good good way to start off uh, the radio show this hour. Um, do you have one bit of pressing news for the week? Uh, big, yeah, big, big uh, vote out there in California. And let me tell you, it was a blowout. <laughs> oh, yeah. This good. did not go how many people wanted it to go. <laughs> 
So we're talking about the California governor recall of Gavin Newsom. Uh, you and I, Yael, no fans of Gavin Newsom, uh, but talk our listeners through what happened here, what the final numbers were, uh, or at least what we can see for what the final numbers will be. So yeah, this was the recall election in California, a very uh, strange mechanism uh, within their state constitution. It's how we got Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, the vote that finally came out, the vote was held on Tuesday, uh, the 14th. It was 64% no. Yeah, it was close. an absolute blowout. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's actually interesting. Uh, NBC News has a nice little county breakdown. Uh, you can sort of see uh, the various counties. I mean, some counties, it's like 90% no. It's actually insane. <laughs> and uh, the exit polls are also interesting, you know, just sort of ask a lot about COVID restrictions, about people's, you know, educational levels and stuff. Uh, obviously, all the advanced degrees uh, voted no. A big surprise there. Yeah. Um, a lot about the Democrat Party. And it was like, do you support the Democratic Party fully? Partially? And it was like, fully! <laughs> like, 90%. <laughs> And this is kind of the problem is is just that the state of California is just swimming in Democrats. It's it is a place that is a supermajority for a reason because it's just that most people who live there that's the party that they usually vote with, and it's gonna basically that's how it's gonna ship you know it's gonna shape all of their votes. It's gonna shape all of the different public policy. Uh, they did one about you know, how do you feel about Joe Biden and the way he's handling his job. You know, approved numbers are like 70% in California. Really? 70. I mean, his his numbers right now nationally are terrible. They're about as low as they've ever been. In California, though, for, at least from what the exit poll says as well, is it doesn't really matter. As long as you yeah. got that nice, pretty <laughs> D next to your name. <laughs> if, you're, if you're on the blue team, you're good. Well, I mean, that was part of the reason, I think, why Newsom survived here because it, it looked close for a while and then all of essentially all of the democratic senior representatives went full court press on this president biden kamala harris her husband you name it anyone who had any clout in the state um was pushing the message to save gavin newsom um, and it doesn't matter that he was at the french laundry you know this super fancy restaurant yeah. breaking his own you know, pandemic Rules. health regulations doesn't yep. matter that uh, he was especially harsh on many of these areas, particularly on private businesses and whether or not they could eat outside. Uh, that apparently doesn't matter. And um, I think maybe it's a controversial point. I think what happened in Texas with this abortion stuff, not that we have to talk about it, I think that kind of buoyed him uh, because yeah. then he got to talk about abortion. You know, as if yeah, this would he, ever he, change in California, by the way. Yeah, yeah. He got to make it about, you can't put a Republican in office because look how scary the Republicans are. And yet again, uh, another notch for not a good week for radio talk show host, uh, Larry Elder, who yes. was, who was, who was uh, I mean, he did receive of the yes votes. He got 46.6%. So he did get a majority uh, of yeah. those, but uh, unfortunately... Not enough uh, to make him governor. Wait, what happened to Caitlyn Jenner? Uh, you know, actually, I will look at the numbers here. Like Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner, 1.1%. 1. 1%. 1. 
Rude. What happened? 55,000 total votes. That's not many. In this Larry Elder yet. had 2.3 million. Ugh. That's a blowout, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. It's like, I, I, I figured Caitlin would have done a little better than that. Yeah, I think I just think California with the supermajority is is just yeah. a, a strange place. You know, there were proposals a couple of years ago to break up the state. Uh, one would be called Jefferson, you know, up north, where it's generally a bit more conservative. Uh, definitely the south would have been broken off or, you know, part yeah. of the, the state maybe merged <laughs> with Oregon or something. But yeah, yeah, I think um, I don't know what to say. So many people are leaving California. We know that from the numbers. We know the taxes are high. Um, if people are staying there and if that's what they want to do, then, yeah, it's all the power to them. It's a it's a democratic state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll continue following this story because so many of the consumer regulations that we cover on this show on Consumer Choice Radio have to do with uh, particularly California and some of their regulations and what they're doing. And uh, yeah, I think specifically this and how badly it went. I guess the polls were fairly accurate, but there was a point in time where where actually uh, Newsom was losing. Uh, that yeah, it looked it looked close. It looked close for a while, but I mean, what'll be interesting to see is it is this the end or the beginning of the end of Gavin Newsom? Because we've seen other governors be completely destroyed by this, but then we've seen the likes of Scott Walker still be able to like run for president after surviving a recall. Um, and so I don't know, maybe. Maybe Gavin Newsom isn't done. Maybe we're going to see more of him. I hope oh, we don't. Lord I hope knows. we don't. <laughs> but we might. Um, yeah, yeah, not not good. I can't imagine not he'll good. he'll do a tour around the country, you know, supporting uh, Democratic candidates or something. He'll probably he'll probably be a nice party boy. I mean, he's obviously in the presidential list. Um, if he can step over Kamala and the rest, yeah, yeah. yeah although I'm, I think her. Her likability ratings are really low right now, but that'll that'll be a different story for another day. Yes, sir. We'll be right back here on Consumer Choice Radio. You guys stay tuned. Amazing segment two coming up. Uh, we'll be right back here on the radio. We're back on Consumer Choice Radio, coming to you on Saga 960 AM in the Peel region and on the Big Talker 106.7 FM out of Wilmington, North Carolina. Yael, uh, I mean, there's a lot out there. There's so many other things to talk about. Um, on the Canadian side of things, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same on the American side. I'm not sure if you've seen those numbers, but the consumer... Uh, price index so the measure of inflation uh, has just been updated for august 4.1 percent in one month yeah it's the largest jump since 2003 um cost of living and inflation have been topics talked about this election but i mean now it's got to certainly like continue to push that forward um it's uh yeah <laughs> Yeah, we we talked a little bit about price inflation for food last week with uh, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that always hurts, particularly the little people, the most. Mm -hmm. And 
we all have kind of noticed it, I think, you know, seeing the prices for certain things and like, wow, I don't remember the costing that much. Well, and, and then, it's not just food, too. Um, I mean, I was looking at some of the numbers this morning, like gas is up 32.5%, furniture 8.7%, vehicle 7.2%, appliances 5.3%. And so, like, important stuff that you buy. Um, and a lot of these are like, maybe more significant purchases um, are up a considerable amount. I mean, this is, this is going to hurt. And if it's not, it's certainly not sustainable. If it continues to roll on like this, they're going to have to do, uh, do something to, to try and tackle it. Yeah. I think with uh, particularly when we look at all of the different costs that are baked into this and, you know, that's just on top of pandemic, uh, all the supply chain shortages. Um, I'll give you a, one example. Did a little uh, consumer corner test ride over the Ooh. weekend, David. Okay. Of a, uh, it's a nice little e-bike. I've never driven an e-bike before. It's just a bicycle with a you know a little motor attached to the pedals. Uh, it was an e-bike, but with one of these Scandinavian style large uh, bikes that have the basket in the front. Uh, yes. You can put people. Um, <laughs> You could put people, like children or wives, um, small puppies. Um, <laughs> they all fit in. And uh, basically, I was talking to the guy about it, and it's obviously ridiculously out of my price range to buy one of these things. But he said that with the supply chain uh, shortages, with the lockdowns in China, with you know all the different parts that are in Taiwan or this parts in you know who knows some European country, this thing's in Canada. Yep. They have like a seven-month waiting period to get a bike delivered to your door. Oof. Seven months. I mean, yes, it's a niche product. Um, you know, it's a, specifically for urban millennials who apparently have a lot of disposable income. But it's still just to show that one product like this taking seven months because they can't get the products, that plus the cost of all the things are going up, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you, how you solve this. I mean, my general answer is just crypto, but I don't think that does much for the entire economy. Well, I mean, there's some monetary policy things at play here where, I mean, this is both true for Canada and the United States is and this, not to get too nerdy, but if inflation starts to run away on you, what do you got to do? You got to increase rates. Um, so the Bank of Canada would have to increase its rate, which filters through to pretty much everything else, every loan, mortgages. Um, but the problem is, is that if homeowners, and this is especially true in Canada, are maybe a little overextended, right? So they're relying on near zero rates um, to be able to carry their mortgage. Well, if you go up two points, I mean not only were you dealing with inflation, but now your mortgage is considerably more expensive. Do you have the additional funds to cover that gap? And you, it, it starts to feel a little bit like 2007. Um, I'm not making any type of prediction like that, but when you start to see kind of other, other factors come into play here, and then the, the, the possibility of raising rates, it's like, uh Oh, this this feels like we could be triggering something um, so, something much bigger than what we're currently dealing with. And specifically for those who have, you know, these adjustable rate mortgages and things, I mean, that would, that's definitely going to hurt 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not oh, as yeah. if uh, not as if property prices are at a, any any lows or anything like this as well. <laughs> so that that's gonna hurt. Um, I've noticed it a little bit, obviously, with uh, some of the food stuff, some of the housing, um, gasoline. At least where I am is, I mean, it's it's <laughs> next level expensive anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> with the taxes. But just for ordinary people, you know, I can see it. And and I think for a lot of manufacturers, they, they're having a lot of issues too because then all of their source products are, again, twice expensive, the COVID tax, and now I guess the, the uh, I was going to say the tariff tax. We still yeah. have a lot of tariffs, by the way. <laughs> we well, kind of forgot I, about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, this is, I had this conversation. Um, I did an interview with um, with Colin Craig at Second Street, and we talked about tariffs because – O'Toole has put forward a policy on cell phone bills, which is pretty good, saying that we should let American carriers or really international carriers um, operate in Canada. And, but it's under the, the, with the asterisks that only if they let our guys do business there. And when people hear that, they're like, well, that sounds fair. But all that is, is, threatening to shoot yourself in the foot because someone else is just going to shoot themselves in the foot. Like if, if the Americans want to have tariffs or want to restrict international competition, the only people they're hurting are the consumers via higher prices. And so saying that we're going to do the same is like, okay, America, you're hurting your consumers. You know what we're going to do? We're going to really show you we're going to hurt our consumers too. And it's you like, have this, you know, you have this artificial sort of, uh, trade war when it comes to the pandemic and just trade being stopped. That's mm-hmm. why I'd say it's artificial. And then you had the real trade wars, which escalated between the U.S. and Canada, between Europe. And it's it's this kind of stuff, as you mentioned, that just makes things way more expensive. It's the consumers that end up having to pay more. And where does that money go, by the way? It just goes to the treasury. You know, it just goes to fill up the coffers of the government. <laughs> <laughs> so you're essentially, you're already in debt. You know, we heard about that from uh, Franco Terenzano yep. uh, the other week there. You're already in debt, I don't know, an average of you know, twenty to 40000 depending on which country you're in. And then you got all of this. Then you got to pay additional for your washing machines, for all your different products. And the government all along the way is pocketing it. I actually did see an article about how, at least in the States, the federal revenue numbers are uh, almost at a record amount. Okay. Uh, which is great if you're in the government and you're counting pennies. Not good if you're the guys paying it, which apparently are all the people on the other side of these tariffs. Because at least on the U.S. side domestically, it's not as, it's not as, uh, we didn't get Joe Biden coming in slashing tariffs. He actually oh. kept most of these in place. And he kept most probably of the, all of them. He kept most of the bad ones. I mean, the worst, the, the most egregious, especially in the context of the two audiences who are listening to us is, or anyone who's tried to do home renovations over the last eight months um, has seen the price of lumber skyrocket. And yet the Biden administration continued on with Trump's silly policies to have tariffs on Canadian lumber. And it's like, guys, you want to ease some of the input costs. It's like, just allow the stuff to flow across the border like everything else. Um, it's just uh, not like people, apparently. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> no, not like people, but um, that's that's another story for another day. But that makes you you bring me back to uh, when Trump uh, how, you attacked Hillary Clinton for highlighting 
that she wanted a common market between Canada and the U.S. where you could freely take up a job on, on either side of the border without all the strings and nonsense. And he was beating the drum like this was some crazy idea. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I would vote for that. <laughs> I, I like I would, that. I like that idea. I, I would vote for that right now. <laughs> put me down. Put me down. Yeah. I mean, particularly between the U.S. and Canada. And that's why still having disagreements over the border, not allowing Canadians in or Americans. I mean, all of that still continuing on after all this time. It's just at the, at this point we are doing more damage to ourselves. Oh and yeah, that's, and that's if, if, sad if there to was see. someone if there was someone who said, "Let's have a European Union style agreement with zero regulatory um, control," so the regulations are still controlled at the state level or the local level or the federal level in each country, and no common currency, I would take that right now. I, that I would vote. I would vote for that 100%. That would be everything good about the European Union without any, without all of the bad. The two countries are already so incredibly intertwined. We travel to each other's country for tourism all the time. Um, it would drastically increase employment opportunities, business, everything, you name it. I mean, it would be, like I said, everything good about the European Union without all the bad stuff. What we're talking about here is the North American Union. <laughs> taking over. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're right. And uh, I guess one piece of news that we didn't really talk about, I want to get to, actually now, I was going to say in the next segment, right. um, the vaccine mandate. Uh, From the Biden is, uh, administration. Given out by, yeah. by the Biden administration. We know there is one similar in Canada, which you can you can um, uh, well, elucidate for us, that yeah. at least having to do with travel. Uh, if you're going to be on a bus, if you're going to be on a plane, you better get your vax. Yeah, kind of quoting Trudeau, but yeah, but see, the thing is, is that it it does. There's no federal intervention into businesses. Um, it's all done at the provincial level, so the provinces decide whether or not they're going to have any type of mandate for non-essential businesses or not. So, like, do you have to have a vaccine to go watch a movie in a movie theater? Um, and so, some provinces are creating those. Alberta isn't at this moment. I think that may change given their COVID numbers. Let's um, all go to Alberta, guys, and let's go watch Spider-Man 25. <laughs> <laughs> so it is it is like, I mean, just in comparison to Canada and the United States, Biden's mandate, which is any employer with more than 100 people, everybody has to be vaccinated. Whether it's like, whether it's right or wrong. I mean, I agree with the goal of trying to get people to be vaccinated. It is a very questionable overreach on behalf of the federal government. Um, and even a lot of people who are pro vaccine, which you and I certainly are, um, have kind of pointed out that this probably isn't going to pass any type of constitutional test in terms of holding up whether or not the president can do such a thing. Um, and yeah, it just seems we're in the virtue signaling age, David. Constitutionality does not matter. He, <sighs> he made, I mean, I can already see what the uh, re-election posters are going to be. If he makes it know, until then, it's going to be like, you know, he kept you safe. He did everything he could. <laughs> That's exactly what it's going to be. And what I think is the most atrocious is using... Um, you know, OSHA, this kind of agency that's supposed to regulate, you know, if yeah. you have soap in the bathroom um, at your workplace, 
using that kind of agency to send out the rule, the diktat that all the people who work at companies with under uh, over 100 employees have to be vaccinated. I don't know that I think that's just next level. And that again, go does away with the category that we talked about before of people who have previously recovered from COVID and have a medical certificate, which at least where I'm sitting is considered yeah. just as good as vaccination. It can get you in anywhere. Yeah. And it seems to be denied, uh, particularly in this order, when the, you know, the studies that we've seen coming out of Israel have shown just the levels of immunity. It's not even, you know, a category. There's no exception. No exception. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is, it is strange. Um, because that should work at least for some defined period, right? So once you test negative after being having the virus, there has to be a period in which like you are deemed immune. Um, I don't know how you, you mentioned that there are instances in certain countries. I think it's some, a couple countries in Europe, maybe even Austria where they do recognize that. Um, it is strange that no one has proposed that at all in North America. I think it's, yeah, it's perhaps it's not on the radar or uh, perhaps it's a little bit more about politics and not necessarily about science. We'll debate it here on Consumer Choice Radio. Uh, We'll be right back. Stay tuned to this. Keep tuned to that radio dial. And welcome back to Consumer Choice Radio Broadcasting here on the radio in two cities across North America, in Wilmington, North Carolina, on the Big Talker, and in Toronto, the Peel region, in Ontario, Canada, on Saga 960 AM. David, I wanted to catch up with you on a matter of concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of fixing for some, uh, some entertainment uh, in the States, and it seems up in Canada, you got this election going on, and we had some nice tete-a-tete debates I know we didn't get to talk about it uh, too much last week. We've we I don't know how many debates there were in total. Was it three or four? Three and only three? Three, two French, one English, which makes no sense. Ah, oh, there we go. Okay. Uh so <laughs> yes, yeah, we had no the, the two French, two French and one English debates. So I also watched them so I could provide some commentary. Uh, I know you've been interviewed uh, about, you know, the various topics that they were discussing on TV, but you had a couple of words you wanted to lay down. What are your kind of thoughts and reactions? Did well, anyone look good? Did anyone look bad? Was there a, a biased moderator? What do you think? So was there a biased moderator? I mean, no, I don't think so. I mean, anyone who says it's a biased moderator really has never understood what it's like to have an adversarial interview done before. And you and I have certainly been on the other end of an adversarial interview that's fair game. I mean, these people are running to be prime minister of the country. They should be able to answer these tougher questions. It's not just a, the, the purpose is to, and this is why I think we needed more English debates. I think there should have been at least three of them um, is to just tr- expose the candidates and their parties and their policies to as much sunlight as possible. Real quick. Um, so the, uh, that's all by the, I forget what it's called, but it's the Canadian the commission. commission or yeah. whatever. Right. What? Why do they mess it up every year, every election? I don't, why I don't are they know. so bad? I would get rid of it, and I would just say each of the national broadcasters get one debate, kind of like how they do the primaries in the U.S., where it's like, okay, 
We have the Fox debate, the NBC debate, the ABC. But it's debate. there still is the Commission on uh, U.S. debates or something. Sure, that, that sure, but they out. they at least divide it up so that there are several of them, and they can tinker with their formats. And you get some the one where they're like seated and standing, like a town hall, and then you have the formal debates, and you can just be more creative with it. And the reason why I think there needs to be more is because it's the more you get to see these candidates be tested. And, and earn your vote. How are they under pressure? Like, how are they answering the tough questions? Are they filled with inconsistencies? Can they account for those inconsistencies? All of those things are important and I want to see them answered. And yet just having one English debate doesn't do it justice. Um, it, I know it, that- it is it is frankly an outrage. And, you know, if I was in the ROC, I, I definitely would be a bit ticked. Uh, where was it? It was actually, in, it was always in Ottawa, right? Uh, it was in Gatineau. It was oh, Ottawa, yeah. I mean, so across same. the water. Yeah, same. And uh, it was on, you know, prized uh, Aboriginal land. I remember them repeating multiple times. Yes, um, yeah. But, yeah, it was, it's fascinating to see. You know, imagine you had, uh, you know, a big-style debate like this only held in one language. Yeah, it's, I, still, I still think whoever made the debate schedule, you know, this commission— there's got to be a way. Just vote them out. I don't. I don't know how you do yeah. it. I don't know how you dismantle it. But you have just get, you know just yeah end it. And just be like okay, sorry guys, we're either going to fire everybody here, or we're just going to completely dissolve the whole thing and start over. So we had some of the content. What I typically despise are these pre-memorized you know scripts of of how they're doing it. Do you think that the conservative uh, sort of leadership candidate there, Aaron O'Toole? Was he a bit scripty or do you think he, he, he kind of responded well? Um, he was okay. He was okay. I mean, if you had to rank them, I think he came out higher. He was probably on top. Um, although it's, it's fairly split. Trudeau looked like he was getting frustrated. And then since the debate in his media engagements, he's actually like, you can see the frustration in him. He's becoming very irritated, um, which is unlike him. Um, and Jagmeet Singh always seems so meaningful and polished, but they never really, it, they're the party of big ideas and no plan. And Canadians just see through that. Um, I think the Green Party leader sounded great. It's just a shame that the Green Party's in shambles. And then obviously there was no Maxine Bernier there, um, which, although I'm not voting for the PPC, um, I think was actually a disservice because they're they, by all polls right now, they're going to have far more support than, um, than the greens. And it's possible that they'll end up having more support than the block, um, making them the fourth largest party in the country. And so I think it was a disservice not to have him there. And I know a lot of people really don't like him and I can understand their grievances, but if you don't like a politician and what they have to stand for, that is good justification to have them in de- in the debate, have them cross-examined by their opposition, have them questioned by a moderator, make them um, live up to the brand that they've created for themselves and defend their ideas when really pressed on it. Um, and Max hasn't really had that yet. No one's pushing him on some of his uh, policies or some of his rhetoric, which I think is is getting really, really out there. And so to have him in the debate would just be an opportunity 
for those who think he's ridiculous for that to come forward. Um, and, and then for those who don't, for him to defend himself. Um, so I think it was a disservice not to Do have, you have any you know, weapons, sir. <laughs> only my words. <laughs> only my words. That was a pretty snazzy line. <laughs> that was that. I don't know. Do you think, do you think he had that in mind already? Um, I, I would say, I mean, he, he's always had a rebellious nature talking about Maxime Bernier, but yeah. I think in that moment he knew, he figured he was in for it. Uh, he would probably get some kind of police interaction at some point. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's probably yeah. good. Good timing though. Whoever the camera person was. Um, yes. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's an entire subreddit that's uh, dedicated to like props to the camera guy. <laughs> it's like, you know, good on the camera guy for getting this. And that was like an opportune moment right there. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, I, was, I think a that good was good. One. And I, I'll tell you where the conversation on a lot of the lockdown stuff is. I've been doing a little bit of an investigation, David. On behalf of Consumer Choice Radio, I've Ooh. been perusing the Telegram channels. Okay, yes. And uh, I've been following along with uh, many of the, uh, we'll say, the, the lockdown uh, skeptics uh, who are organizing in, in multiple cities. And these channels are pretty big. And there are a lot of people in them. Again, I don't know representatively what that means across all the different writings and uh, counties and everything, but some people are raving mad about kind of what's happening. And I don't know if the polls are reflecting that. Maybe they're starting to reflect it. But there's a lot of people who I, I can, I'm not going to say it has a, a Trump feel, of yeah. you know, sort of no one expects it, and there's just kind of bubbling, seeding anger, and then it comes up to the surface, and all of a sudden Trump is president. But there could be something, you know, in, in a lot of resistance. Uh, particularly, a lot of people are very concerned about the lockdowns, about uh, a lot of the orders, uh, about the vaccine passports. You know, that's next level. Uh, people are stark raving mad, and uh, Telegram is a channel, is a kind of a chat app, uh, originally put together by. A, uh, a Russian expat, um, yep. Pavel, I don't remember his last name, uh, but, you know, it's essentially a very privacy and uh, security-based messaging service. Uh, people yep. are, are finding a lot of refuge there after they get kicked off social media. So yeah. uh, I can reveal more of that next week because uh, I'm still doing my preliminary investigations. Well, here's the thing is that when we when we talk about this protest vote, the, the, the folks who are kind of angry with the situation, I, in regards to like when you won't have to wear a mask in the grocery store, I wouldn't be surprised if we're still wearing masks in a year's time. Um, and that's pretty depressing to say, um, but I could see that being the reality. And then you factor in vaccine passports. And so like my forecast here, if, if you're the PPC, and the government is going to be a minority government, which means we're going to go to the polls in the next year and a half again, or two year and a half to two years. And the better and, and half of that time, we still have um, lockdown or not lockdowns, but mandates and, and mass requirements and things like that. I mean, it's hard to see a scenario where they don't become bigger because they're the only party against those things. And the longer this goes on, naturally the more people who will be against those things um yeah. and so it's their and wedge it'll, issue it'll and it serves sorry it'll grow like the resistance yeah. is is gonna have to grow like yeah no... yeah i'll and... give you an example of a smart politician by the way who is dealing with this um i think from from an approach that we would appreciate it is uh the austrian chancellor 
Sebastian Kurtz. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, he's a youngish fella, only 34, so um, one of the youngest world leaders. And it means uh, I've got you know, three he... years to be prime minister. <laughs> I mean, he was he was prime minister at like 31, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Don't, and, don't ruin my dreams. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, he made the point that, look, uh, the market provided the vaccine, and uh, people have the vaccine, and, and that's it. We're not doing lockdowns anymore. Um, if there's, you know, an outbreak and uh, private businesses or hospitals are overwhelmed, you know, maybe that's something to look at. But we're not going to inconvenience the lives of the people who have saved themselves. Mm-hmm. We're not going to inconvenience them. The pandemic is over for those who are vaccinated. We're not going to make your life harder. We're going to make everything better. Of course, it's a different system. It's a different society. They don't necessarily believe in free expression the way that we do in North America. They do have uh, not vaccine passports, but they do have, in some cases, either negative test or the vaccine pass for sitting down somewhere. Uh, but as far as I know, there are still no vaccine-only areas. I know it's been discussed, but still not happened yet, because that's important for medical certificate, like we talked about, and then for the negative test stuff. Um, Quotes is very interesting. It, he doesn't get talked about much. Uh, obviously, because it's a smaller country. Yeah. And uh, Angela Merkel, who is, by the way, stepping down today. Um, so, you know, she's out of the picture, but she's been sort of the, the lead on the, the Germanic world. Yep. I think that that makes me feel a bit better that we have, you know, some good, smart leaders who <laughs> believe in science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, do you think he'll like maybe fill some of the void left by her departure? Or is I, it would, too young? I would actually... I would say so. He's he is a big leader. I mean, that's a whole other issue um, about Afghan refugees. Uh, so he's actually very adamant um, against accepting Afghan refugees. One, he makes a good case because Austria is not in NATO, so was never involved in Afghanistan. Has nothing to do with it. Uh, B, okay. there's actually there's actually a huge Afghan community that already exists here, and there are problems with integration that you would not have in Ontario or that yeah, you would not yeah, have yeah. in 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 the U.S. So he says, look, let's let's fix our integration. Let's make sure people can understand and read and write German and be integrated. And um, th- then, of course, I'm looking at myself like, oh, no. <laughs> Are you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but he says, like, until we get that integration uh, kind of thing settled, like, it's, we can't do that. We're, we're too small of a country. <laughs> Next thing you know, you get a knock on the door and it's immigration and the... <laughs> They start grilling you in German <laughs> just to test how fluent you really are. I mean, I feel like it that happens all the time, but apparently it's only the Amazon guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. that happens a lot. So, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I can understand. I'm, I'm generally open um, to immigration, more immigration, uh, including refugees, but I can understand the we weren't there like we weren't in NATO like not our war, not our responsibility. I think that argument probably carries the most um, water because there are yeah. there are countries, including Canada, who played a role in what went on in Afghanistan, which is part of the reason um, we are where we are today and, and, and whatnot. So there's, I guess, an extra layer of burden or responsibility on, on those countries. And um, and we just have to say it, you know, North American societies are very distinct in how they can integrate immigrants and immigration. They're much better at it than continental Europe. There's a history of doing it, you know, that's yes. how the countries are made up. 
here it's still it's still a struggle and it yeah. it is difficult and it's it's not because the people are racist or something like this it's because the cultures are so old and integrated and the church is basically a part of the government and there's all these kind of old school you could call them i mean it's not regulations necessarily but it's all these kind of cultural norms that have been in place for hundreds of years yeah. that is very difficult to change. That's why you don't have as much, you know, free expression. You don't have the same free market movements that we have. Um, that's what makes uh, our countries better, David. Yes. And by our countries, you mean Canada and the United States. That I <laughs> Just do. clarifying for people listening. <laughs> there you go. And that's where we're listening. Consumer yeah. Choice Radio. David, talk to you next week. Yeah. Talk to you next week. Another great show. And that does it for Consumer Choice Radio. Thank you for joining us for the hour and for all the other past shows and archives. Check out Consumer Choice Radio for much more. Consumer Choice Radio, hosted by Yael Asoski and myself, David Clement, is a syndicated weekly conversation featuring the latest news, interviews, and expert analysis that covers consumer topics from around the world, focusing on innovation, tech, regulatory policy, and science, Tune in every week to learn why consumer choice matters. You can find all of our previous episodes, interviews, and show notes over on ConsumerChoiceRadio.com, as well as the podcast version of this show. And as always, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you do listen to your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at ConsumerCRadio, myself at Y-A-E-L-O-S-S, and David at Clement Liberty. And find our interviews on YouTube and Instagram just looking up Consumer Choice Radio. If there is a consumer issue affecting you that you think that we should cover, email us directly at hello at consumerchoiceradio.com. Thank you again for listening.